Hey y'all, it's Professor J. Before the episode starts, I just wanted to get a couple of apologies out there. I'm sorry this episode took so long. We had so many fiascos with recording it and editing it. I put about 16 hours into editing this episode and it did not go right at all. A multitude of awful things happened. Sarah, my guest, actually stepped in and took over editing for me, and I cannot thank her enough for that. She saved my life and my sanity. Thank you, Sarah. Um, I do also want to apologize for the sound quality on my end. Um, We recorded using Anchor's phone app because it doesn't offer the ability to record with multiple people on the desktop app or on the web browser. And that's how I usually record. So that affected the sound quality. I used the same headset and everything that I normally do, but I guess there is a bit of a technological difference between recording on the, on the web uh, on the website than there is on the phone app. So next time I record with a guest, I'm going to be using a completely different method, (laughs) but yeah. So with all that out of the way, here we go. Let's enjoy the episode. To Fail Films 101 is not an actual college course and cannot be taken for college credit. It is not affiliated with any university, junior college, community college, vocational training program, or for-profit corporation masquerading as a school of any kind. Professor J has no formal training as an educator and, in fact, went to a Missouri State College for about two semesters ran out of money, and dropped out as a result. And now that I've covered my own ass legally, let's get on with Fail Films 101. Hello class, and welcome to Fail Films 101, a pod class about the shittiest movies humankind has to offer and why we love them. I'm your instructor, Professor Jay, and class is in session. So welcome to our very first episode of our very second unit. So this is a fine vintage. Basically, these are the movies that are just complete garbage from, I want to say the 40s to the 80s. I didn't really put a specific time frame on these, but none of these movies were made after 1980. And... It was really hard to narrow these down. I'm not going to lie. There's so many bad older movies out there and they're all just a tr- they're all just treasures in their own way. And I just I love them so much. And we're kicking this unit off with one of the movies that actually made me really want to get into this whole podcast thing in the first place. I wa- watched this movie at the Bad Movie Club I've mentioned before and I was just sitting there thinking, oh my god, I have to talk to somebody about this movie, so I'm really hyped to be doing it. This is Japan's horror movie from 1977, House. And with me today is our very first guest, Yay! She is the host of the Bad Movie Club that I've mentioned before, well, twice now in this podcast, but I mentioned it in other episodes. Um, Her name is Sarah. Say hi, Sarah. Hello! Glad to be here. Yes, thank you so much for joining me. We've already had so much fun with the multiple attempts that we've gotten to get this right. <laughs> <laughs> technical difficulties. Yes, so many te- technical difficulties. But we're going to have even more fun once we actually start talking about the movie, right? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> I cannot even imagine 
Yes, especially since this movie is such a hot mess. It really goes places. It absolutely does. So one of the first things that we like to talk about on uh, in the podcast is the production of this movie. And the pr- this is usually because the productions can be a little bit of a journey in themselves. Like, Sarah, you know the story of The Room. You know how ridiculous of a story that was. Oh, yeah. So much backstory that makes it that much more meaningful. Exactly. And it's the same with House, from what I can read on my end. I mean, I don't think any backstory of a movie will ever top The Room. But it's still so much fun to talk about them. So, from what I'm looking at, based on House's Wikipedia page, <laughs> you, all, you all know my secret now. So, this movie basically got its start when a bunch of people in Japan for the Toho Film Studio saw how popular Jaws was. Because mm-hmm. these movies are so similar. <laughs> Practically identical. Yes. But they basically saw how popular Jaws was and they wanted to make a similar movie. And when you watch this movie, it's nothing like Jaws. But the movie studio went to a director named Nobuhiko, or Nobuhiko Obayashi. I, I am so sorry if I'm butchering these names. Those of you who speak Japanese, please correct me. But they talked. To, they wanted him to develop a similar script to Jaws, to fi- and they wanted to find inspiration for the story. I guess so. He decided to talk to his teenage daughter, Chigumi Obayashi, and apparently he saw sought out her ideas, believing that adults only think about things that they understand, and everything stays on that boring human level, whereas children can come up with things that can't be explained. And when you when you consider that, Sarah, doesn't this movie make a lot more sense? It does. That's uh, it does seem like something out of the mind of a demented child. <laughs> yes, but what really got me was when I saw that he had consulted his daughter about this. I assumed like five or six year old daughter, not a teenager. Hmm. I mean, I don't. I don't claim to know what she does with her friends. Maybe. <laughs> I mean, that's true. I mean. You know, you know how we were when we were teenagers. We were and still are writers, and we we wrote some pretty dark shit. That's true. That was an interesting time. An edgy phase. (laughs) Yes. And I'm guessing this kid was going through her edgy phase. It's nice to know that teenagers in the 70s weren't that much different from teenagers in the 2000s. So... Apparently, a lot of the ideas from this movie were actually, uh, were, were included in the movie, and that includes a mirror, a reflection in the mirror attacking a viewer, mm-hmm. or a viewer of the mirror, a watermelon being pulled out of a well appearing like a human head, and, vital. and a house that eats people, specifically girls. <laughs> And there are other themes that uh, they drew on that Chigumi came up with that were based on her own childhood fears, such as 
a pile of futons falling on her that felt like a monster attacking her. Oh, okay. Yep, that's where that scene came from. A, lar- <laughs> a large clock at her grandparents' house that apparently she was scared of. Oh my which, gosh. I mean, that does make sense when you're a kid. Grandfather clocks can be terrifying. That's yeah. valid. And she was also afraid of getting her fingers caught between pian- between her piano keys. Hmm. This is all adding which, up. Yeah. That's that's valid as hell, honestly. I mean, I didn't play piano as a kid, but I would have been terrified of that. Yeah, you gotta I be weren't. careful with those things. Especially with little baby fingers. Mm-hmm. So, Mr. Obayashi incorporated some themes of the atomic bombings as well of Hiroshima and Nagasaki. Because we can't really talk about Japanese film without talking about the atomic bombs, right? I guess so. <laughs> Seriously, like Grave of the Fireflies, etc. Oh. Yeah, a lot of Japanese film incorporates the aftermath of the bombing, or in this case, what led up to the bombings. Because mm-hmm. a lot of it goes off of the aunt whose house this is losing her fiance in World War II. Right. Yes. So part of why she is the way she is is because she's waiting for her lost love to return because he promised you can't break a pinky promise yes exactly they pinky promised and i guess even even death can't stop a pinky promise Mm -mm. not not that i know of spoiler alert the fiance dies but we don't know that (laughs) true he just doesn't come home (laughs) Ever again. Ever again. But to be a bit of a bummer, and I'm sorry about this, but Mr. Obayashi was actually born in Hiroshima and lost mm. all of his childhood friends in the in the bombing. Oh, shit. Yeah. So he applied those themes with the plot element of the woman waiting for her lover to return from mm. the war. And her bitterness about the war just creates this whole negative energy and yeah there's there's more details like listed on here but it's a major spoiler and one of the things that i like to not talk about 98 percent of the time is the end of the movie because i want to encourage people to go and watch this movie and and appreciate the end mm-hmm. so i don't really want to like talk about that part because that's a pretty big thing with the end you you know what i'm talking about though right yeah like the stuff like the piano you can see in trailers for the movie but the actual like meaning behind the movie gotta gotta keep that sacred just just wait and see yes exactly you have to watch this movie and see why everything is the way it is Mm -hmm. it's certainly a thing (laughs) so moving on with that you were actually the one who told me this, but Mr. Uh, Mr. Obayashi was predominantly a commercial director before this movie. Yes, and you can see it so much when you watch the movie. Yes, it shows. There are so many scenes that just give you like a double mint vibe. <laughs> a cheesy double mint gum commercial 
just multiple times throughout this movie. And it's usually the scenes that involve, uh, what's his name? Mr. Togo. Yes. I just referred to him in my notes as hot teacher, even though he's not hot, but they all think he's hot. <laughs> Such a dreamboat. <laughs> right? He has sideburns that take up half his face. So sexy. <laughs> But I guess that was the look in 1977. Yeah, I mean, that's what a a teenager in Japan in the 70s was into, so. Mm -hmm. Huge sideburns. (laughs) That was the look. But, so this, I think this was actually his first movie. Yes, it was his first feature film. So what a debut. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. What a debut. And most of the actors that he'd gotten for this movie weren't exactly like professional movie actors. He'd mostly recruited people who would work in his commercials. Oh, okay. So that explains why they're so good at commercial acting. Yes, that explains the fucking uh, girlfriend that keeps flipping her scarf around. (laughs) Exactly. Like, she's the living embodiment of, like, a sexy commercial woman in Japan in the 70s. Mm-hmm. Putting on some <laughs> lipsticks, maybe some new high heels. Who knows? Having a wind machine follow her everywhere she goes. <laughs> As you do. Yes. Like, so much of the scenes involving her are just wind machine, wind machine, wind machine. What does it mean? <laughs> Right? So there's there's more about the production. It's mostly just about, you know, the filming, but it's mostly just us covering what we've already really talked about. Mm-hmm. And I just want to get into the plot at this point because it's so much. Oh, yeah. So much happens. <laughs> this is Everything Happens So Much, the movie one of my favorite tweets yes rest in peace horse ebooks so the movie opens up with some creepy shots of a girl draped in a blanket near some open flames a good idea yes it's always good to have blankets around open flames i even put in my notes parentheses smart (laughs) oh i forgot the giant thing at the top of my notebook Oh. Don't watch this movie if you have epilepsy. <laughs> yeah, it, uh, it's a lot. Do not watch this movie if you have epilepsy or any other seizure disorder that is triggered by flashing colorful lights. Mm-hmm. Because it will not be a good time. Yeah, stay safe out there. Mm-hmm. I can name, I can already name one person that I'm pretty sure listens to this podcast that should not watch this movie you know who you are are. (laughs) i love you don't watch this movie okay so open flames blanket bad idea and a photo shoot yes it is a photo shoot for i guess a school project question mark yes i don't know it's never it's they never really clarify that no it just it, it happens and it's like i'll show you the photos later Oh, uh-huh. okay. And then there's a little commercially montage of them leaving and being best friends and, you know, hugging and Yeah, being... sure, best friends. Mm-hmm. 
Gals being pals. Ooh, I got so many vibes off of that. I know. If you watch this movie, it has a very gals being pals vibe, especially between these two, whose names are Gorgeous and Fantasy. And that's not a joke. Those are their literal names. <sighs> the, the seven main girls in this movie all have names that fit their personality, which in retrospect, this just now hit me. That's what that little gasp was just now. <laughs> That was, it, that gives me a strong Seven Dwarves vibe. Oh, I didn't even think about that. I didn't either until I said seven girls with names that are their personality. Mm. I was like, oh. That's a new dwarves. angle on this movie. That's a whole new angle. So does that make the ants Snow White? Or does that make... Um. I was going to say Mr. Togo, like, coming through to, like, be besties and sing and save them. Yeah, that's true. That could have been Mr. Togo. So it's very much a gender-swapped Seven Dwarves. Ooh, how modern. (laughs) (laughs) Especially for 1977 Japan. Right. This dude is so innovative. Props. Mm -hmm. Way ahead of his time. (laughs) So... They start talking about how Gorgeous has plans to go off to some villa over the summer with her dad, while Fantasy and their other friends are going to an inn with Mr. Togo. Some sort of training camp, which is not explained. (laughs) It's never explained, ever. I'm, I'm guessing, I don't, I honestly don't know. Maybe they're going for, like, Japanese spring training or whatever, but that's summer. Yeah. I don't know a whole lot about the world of Japanese sports. I'm not a Japanese sports expert. I'm a bad movie expert. (laughs) (laughs) But if anyone knows anything about Japanese baseball, please let me know if they do their (laughs) spring training in the summer, I guess. (laughs) Anyway. They're training for something. We're not sure what. Yes. Take a shot every time Professor J says, anyway. You'll be drunk <laughs> by the end of this podcast. Oh, gosh. That, yeah, that's a horrible idea. Don't drink in class, kids. Well, I mean, I do. Just not to a reasonable extent. Yes. Drink. It's okay to drink for Phil Films 101. Um, so, most of the gals are planning on going to training camp. Gorgeous is go- planning on traveling with her dad. Mm-hmm. But then all of a sudden, a wrench gets thrown in the works because she comes home and her dad's like, I have someone I need you to meet. It's my brand new girlfriend and she's going to be your mom someday. <laughs> Not someday. He just said she's going to be your mom moments after Gorgeous met her. Yeah. Like moments after. You don't, you don't do that. And he's like, don't even worry about it. She can cook. She can mend all my clothes so you don't have to. It's fine. It's going to be great. Yeah. Like, first of all, how sexist are you? Right. Second of all, this is a teenage girl. She's already got a lot going on in her brain. Mm Mm-hmm. And then you throw a new girlfriend into the mix. And then moments later, by the way, she's going to be your mom. 
Yeah, you've literally never met this person before, but you better get used to her. Right? You just don't, you don't throw anybody into that, let alone a teenage girl. Mm-mm. So, Ryoko is her name. Yes. I don't think I ever learned the dad's name, but the girlfriend's name is Ryoko. The, the one person that doesn't have a symbolic name. Yes, unless any of you who speak Japanese can correct us on that. Ooh, let's Google it. Yes. Internet. Hey, Google, what does the name Ryoko mean? Uh, or- it can mean good child, truth, understanding, or many other things. Hmm. So kind of an open-ended thing there, which I guess explains why she wears all white. Oh. Because that's, all of those things could be represented by white. Cinematography! Whoa! (laughs) So Ryoko gives gorgeous her nice flowing scarf, because as we mentioned before, a wind machine follows her everywhere. And her scarf is blowing in the wind, and she gives gorgeous the scarf as a token of her friendship. And uh, Gorgeous is like, I don't fucking think so. And she tosses the scarf into the breeze that suddenly appears and automatically runs out. It's so dramatic. Like, (laughs) honestly, if you didn't think that this guy was a director of commercials, you would think he was a director of soap operas. Mm -hmm. Honestly, he could have done both. I'm sure that somebody in Japan, like, saw this movie and thought... I need this guy to direct a soap opera. <laughs> he would have had just the right flair. I know. Like, he would have been a perfect soap opera director. I don't even know if soap operas are a thing in Japan, but they should be. Yeah, if, if he was doing it, I wouldn't mm-hmm. watch shit. Right. So after, after um, G- Gorgeous dramatically runs away, she goes to her room. A very teenage girl thing to do. Mm-hmm. And she whips out her box of memories of her mom, including a framed picture of her. And she starts talking to the framed picture, which, you know, that's fine. That's something that people do every now and then when they lose someone important to them. Mm-hmm. But then she starts talking about how much she hates her dad, which, again, that's that part's normal, I guess. I would be mad at my dad, too, if he just introduced me to some random woman and said, this is going to be your mom. And I'm a 27-year-old grown-ass man. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, they had all this, like, quality time, just them two, so she's probably like, this person's gonna be intruding, and, like, I'm not gonna be my dad's favorite person anymore, and... Mm -hmm. So all those emotions are understandable until she starts getting a little creepy with it. Mm Mm-hmm. She says things like, I'll bully dad, and she's, like, crossing his face out in pictures of them, and... It's a very strange montage. Yeah, it gave me some. It gave me some serial killer vibes. Mm-hmm. Not gonna lie about that. So, after that happens, let's see. She storms out. I'm looking at my notebook again. <laughs> she, she even says, "Dad's disappointed us." To the picture of mo- of her mom. Oh man. And then she starts talking about how she wonders how her aunt is after she sees a picture of her mom and her and her aunt at her wedding to her dad Mm -hmm. and and of course the aunt is she looks sad but you know putting on a brave face for the wedding right and she's holding a fluffy white cat important detail (laughs) yes 
that cat is probably the single most important character in this movie, if we're being honest. That cat has seen some shit. Yeah. Yeah, she has. And it shows in her face. Mm-hmm. Like, I think the cat's the best actor in the movie. Oh, for sure. Mm-hmm. So after she starts wondering out loud how her aunt is doing, we cut to the friends, all except Gorgeous, gathered by the fountain talking about their big plans to go to summer vacation at the at the training camp with mm-hmm. hot teacher Mr. Togo. <laughs> and let's see. So this is where we figure out all of their names, very Seven Dwarfsy style. We meet Melody, who's a musician, as you can tell by her guitar that she's holding. Mm-hmm. We meet Kung Fu, who's probably the biggest badass in the movie, if we're being honest. Yes. Yes. So, Kung Fu, that she's... They all call her manly or whatever, but no, she just kicks ass. I don't yeah, think she looks manly. you should be tough and not be manly? Jeez. Yeah. Fuck gender roles. This is 1977. <laughs> Liberated women. Mm-hmm. And then we meet Mac, who loves to eat. They all call her fat, but she is not fat. No. Protect her at all costs. I know. They're constantly calling her fat, but she is like average weight. I mean, I guess, aren't people in Japan a little more harsh about, like, body image and stuff? I I mean, I guess. But, I mean, even, even by Japanese standards, I don't think she's that heavy. I think they're just teenage girls being jerks to someone yeah. who's supposedly their friend yeah she's the one that like they keep around because it's fun to pick on her mm-hmm. exactly and she just, just kind of doesn't realize it yeah which is very sad i i love mac she's a good girl mm-hmm. so let's see after mac we have sweet she doesn't really have much of a personality other than being nice Everybody else had more development, and she's just like, I'm here to be nice to everyone and clean the floors. She got shortchanged. Okay. Yes. She was ripped off. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But she doesn't have much of a personality beyond being a a Hufflepuff, basically. Yeah. She's like, I'm going to hang out with everybody and uh, be real nice. Yeah. Let them all know they're cute. Mm Mm-hmm. And at one point, she just starts cleaning the house. Yeah, she's like, I'll take care of it. No, nobody mm-hmm. can worry about it. I mean, you, I mean, you're a guest, sweet, but okay. I mean, if you, I guess if you want to clean the house. <laughs> oh, well. I'm sure, the, I'm sure Auntie would appreciate it. We never find out her name, by the way. She's just Auntie. Oh, I did not notice that. Yeah. I didn't even notice that either until I was watching it last night and I saw the subtitles and they they never called her by her name. They always called her Auntie. I mean, I guess it's, like, respectful, but, I mean, maybe they could have at least said her name in the flashbacks or something. True. I don't know. I have no idea. Yeah. I mean, and when you're a teenager, it's not like you pay attention to a lot of people's names anyway. True. Except for if you're a hot teacher. Right? Hot Mr. Togo. (laughs) (laughs) and then let's see so we talked about mac kung fu sweet there's prof yes who is the bookworm of the group so she's a typical ravenclaw you can tell because she's wearing glasses (laughs) (laughs) yep exactly but yeah so 
seven gals all together at the fountain. Well, I guess yes. it's six at this point. It's Melody, Fantasy, Kung Fu, Mac, Prof, and Sweet. Yes. And they're talking about their plans, and Mr. Togo drives up in his weird-ass little dune buggy. <laughs> this dude drives a dune buggy as his main vehicle. I mean, why not, I guess? I, yeah, I don't even know. If you're but a hot teacher, you can get away with anything. But apparently, uh, they're all supposed to be staying at his sister's inn while they're going to this training camp. Mm-hmm. But his sister's got to close down the inn for the summer because she's having a baby. Which is pretty time-consuming. Yeah. But he's like, bad news, my sister's having a baby. And I'm like, in what universe is that bad news? Like, you're going to be an uncle, man. That's the most fun job in the world. Right. No responsibility, all the fun of playing around with a tiny human. Yeah, and then you get to give it back when you're done. (laughs) So, because they can't go to the inn because it's going to be closed, bye-bye summer plans. But that's when Gorgeous shows up. And she's like, hey... I think I'm going to go visit my aunt this summer. Do you all want to come? And they're all like, sure, this will be fun. And then we cut to Gorgeous writing a letter to her aunt. And she's like, I hope you don't mind. I invited all my friends to come see you, even though we literally (laughs) haven't seen each other in 10 years. Right. (laughs) Me and my six best friends are just going to crash your house. Hope that's okay. (laughs) I know you're old and stuff, but, you know, we won't party too loudly. Yeah. And as soon as she finishes um, writing that letter, suddenly, a white fluffy cat. Just out of nowhere. She just kind of shows up, and Gorgeous responds like, oh my god, a cat! And starts loving on her. Understandably so, because let's be honest, that's exactly what I would do in that situation. Perfectly natural. Ask any of the neighborhood cats that live around my house. There are so many, and I love each and every one of them. My cats don't love them, but... (laughs) I bet. Yeah. So, not long after Gorgeous sends the letter, she gets a response from the aunt, and she's like, Sure, come on over. It'll be nice to have some young girls around the house. (laughs) Totally not a creepy way of saying it at all. Right. And after she gets this letter, um, her dad is talking to Ryoko, and they're like, well, we'll just go without her. We'll have fun. Don't worry about her. And Ryoko's like, uh, I want to, I want to, like, try and be her friend at least. Like, maybe I'll show up at her aunt's house and try to talk to her. Because that's normal. Uh-huh. Totally normal. And she's like, this is going to be my first trial of being her mother. Uh. Like, oh, honey. Boundaries. Yeah. Boundarying is an important part of parenting any child. Mm-hmm. Especially a teenage girl. Oh, yeah. So, they're all getting ready to go, and then we see a weird folksy commercial moment. You oh, know, exactly. Yes. Yeah. It's like, what, yes. 20 minutes into the movie, and it's like, oh, in case you don't know who these girls are, let's introduce them all again and put subtitles under their names. Yep, but even even before that happens, like, this is before they even get on the bus. This mm. is, uh, they're, uh, Mr. Togo, they're in his oh, neighborhood. Oh, oh my gosh, this scene murdered me. 
Yes. If we can, if I can find a clip of this scene, I'm going to put it in the Google Classroom for y'all. Because it's wild. Yes, it is buck wild. There's these people, like, shining shoes, and they're, like, swaying in time with each other, and the whole neighborhood is just happy-peppy, and Mr. Togo comes out of his apartment above the shoe shop, and he stretches, and he bids good morning to everybody, and he starts to go down the stairs, and then the white cat crosses his path, and he falls ass-first into a bucket. <laughs> and for some reason, like, he's moving around, in, like, in his bucket, on, like, on his ass. Like, it's very stop-motion. Yes, I was about to say. They must have mm. had a blast shooting this part. <laughs> like, I know, like, I would have had so much fun with that. Just jumping all around the street in your bucket. Mm-hmm. And then he actually calls the bus station to talk to the girls, saying, I'm going to be a little later, but I'll still be on my way. Meanwhile, while he's doing this, he's like, yeah, I think I'm going to have to go to the hospital to get my ass out of this bucket. (laughs) And while he's on the phone, there's a child, like, drumming on the bucket behind him. I mean, it's an opportunity, I guess. You got to take it. I know. I mean, budding musician. Yes. (laughs) This is an instrument, right? Yes. Is ass bucket an instrument? (laughs) Someone needs to meme that, please. Thank you. As soon as as soon as this episode goes up, I'm I'm memeing it and I'm putting it on the Facebook page and people who didn't listen to the episode are gonna be like, What? Yes. No context is needed. Just ass bucket. The the booty is stuck in the bucket. Yes, Summer has been bucket. saved, and everyone is hopping on the train. The bus. Yes. One of them. Because, like, the interior shots look like a train. But the yeah. exterior shots are on a bus. And just the green screen. Oh, I know. Gosh. Oh, my God, the green screen. I'm just going to call it the truss. <laughs> the truss. The truss. The train bus. <laughs> Those are things in Japan, right? Trusses? You know what? They they are for now, for today. I mean, that's how, like, the public buses in Kansas City look compared to the buses in St. Louis. Oh. Kind of like train buses. Yeah. So yep. I will say, I really enjoyed the part where they're riding the truss. And it's like, oh, I'm going to tell you the history of my mom and my aunt, but somehow do it through a flashback that you can also watch like a movie yeah like how do they even go how do they do that like see this person that's my mom she's so cute see they're mm-hmm. making a pinky promise Ooh, true love like they're yeah not seeing anything i know but they're all commenting on it or it's like what <laughs> how do you even how do you see what's happening there's no project you're on a bus train truss in (laughs) japan in 1977 no one has cell phones yet let let alone the cell phones that have modifications that you can put a projector on let alone digital footage of things that happened in the 40s yeah it's like this is almost more surreal than all the shit that happened in the house like i want an explanation for how this works I know, I really do too. But unfortunately, it's never explained. 
They just glass it's right like, over it. It's like the breast cancer in the room. <laughs> it just happens. Don't even think about it. It's just there. Yep, and then never explained or commented mm-hmm. on. Mm-hmm. But that, when, once that ends and they get off at the trust stop, I'm calling it the trust forever. Yes. And then they just start wandering through the woods. Like, uh, we'll find it someday, I'm sure. Yeah. Who just lets these seven teenage girls wander through the woods in East Jesus Nowhere, Japan? <laughs> none of them have any survival gear. No. Like, none of them. And for that matter, where's their luggage? That's true. They pack very light. Yeah, like, they're just going with, like, the clothes on their back and the cat that just shows up on the truss. Oh, yeah. Just hops on in. Yeah. She just shows up. Her name is Blanche, by the way. The cat. Oh, Blanche. Mm-hmm. Thank you for being a friend. <laughs> <laughs> it's all I think when I hear the name Blanche. So they're wandering through the woods, and they pass a watermelon stand in the middle of East Jesus, Newer Japan. Because why not? Mm, let's just have this watermelon stand right here. It's, it's just a thing. So Mac picks up one of the watermelons. I think it's Mac. Yeah, because haha food. <laughs> yeah. So funny. Mm. And when she picks up the watermelon, there's just a dude's head behind it. It's like he was waiting all day for someone to come by so you get him with that joke. I know. And it's like, what? And they're like, oh, we're on our way to... Uh, Gorgeous is like, oh, we're on our way to my aunt's house. And she, he's like, oh, I should have known that you were the lady's niece. You look just like her, especially your eyes. And then they buy the watermelon, and they go away, and Watermelon Dude is holding another watermelon in his hands. And he looks at me and goes, we haven't had visitors in quite some time. The like, missus, or the lady, will be pleased. No need to be so ominous about it. Jeez, dude. I know! Like, what? It almost makes you wonder if he's, like, in cahoots with her. I wouldn't be surprised if he is. Especially considering, like, the weird scene later. Yes! Oh. We'll get to that, y'all. We will get to that. Maybe not, because it's a little spoilery. But it's... uh... Oh my gosh. True. I'll I'll make sure to, to mention that part. I just won't mention the big spoiler about the end. Yeah. Anyway. So where was I? So they make it to the aunt's house finally. Yay! And the cat runs out of Gorgeous's arms and into the aunt's lap because she's in a wheelchair. Mm-hmm. And the aunt is like, oh, I've been waiting for you to come and visit in a totally not creepy way. <laughs> and I think it's fantasy that tries to get a picture, right? Yes. Fantasy that tries to get a picture, but Blanche's eyes glow. Oh, what could that mean? Mm-hmm. And then the camera mysteriously drops and breaks. Aw, oh, darn. Too mm-hmm. bad. You can't get any evidence of this hell weekend you're about to experience. <laughs> right. And then Mac presents the watermelon to Auntie. <laughs> like this is a gift for you 
And they go into the house and she and Auntie says, Dear chandelier, shine upon them. And it comes on. Mm-hmm. I'm not joking. That's what the captions say that she said at least. Mm-hmm. I'm sure then, it was pretty close. Mm-hmm. I don't know how accurate the captions that I was watching were because they forgot the E in the word fiance. Oh. Yeah. So not quite sure how accurate a lot of the captions I, I was watching were. <laughs> so the chandelier uh, starts lighting up and then a crystal drops off of it and starts heading for, the, for whoever's standing under the chandelier. And it starts the most ridiculous action sequence with so many jump cuts. Yes. What the fuck is going on right now? So much is happening in this moment. But she, like, knocks it out of the way, the the crystal. Mm -hmm. And it stabs a lizard. That just happens to be scuttling by. Yep. And Blanche runs over to eat it. As you do, I guess. I mean, to be fair, I hear quite a bit about cats eating lizards, at least outside cats. Yeah, I guess so. I mean, they gotta get the protein somehow. And Blanche is kind of like a go-wherever-the-fuck-I-want cat, so... Yeah, that's very true. (laughs) I mean, my cats are strictly indoor cats, and I wouldn't be surprised if they tried to eat a lizard. Hmm. They're little shits. Yeah. (laughs) So... The girls offer to make dinner because obviously the aunt's not really feeling up to it because she's ailing. Mm-hmm. As she has been for a while. And the aunt is talking about how glad she is to have seven young girls around the house. It's like, yeah, we know you said it before. You don't have to be so weird about it. I know. God, she gets weird about it. Ugh. I know. Like, not even in a murdery way. It's like, okay, you're being a little gross. Yeah, like, calm down. I'm sure most of them are underage. (laughs) Well, they're probably not underage by Japan's standard. They have a different legal age of consent than we do. Oh, yeah. Still Uh, creepy. Still a huge age difference. Yeah. Still very, very creepy. (sighs) So, apparently the aunt talks to the appliances around the house because she's lonely. Uh, Yeah, or, I mean, if the house is alive then you know (laughs) yeah but she she explains it by saying that it's because she's lonely it's like oh okay i I mean i I suppose Mm -hmm. and she's uh she explains that the fridge is broken so they decide to put the melon in the well yeah natural refrigeration Mm -hmm. which makes sense so they, they tie it, they, they tie the um, melon up with some rope and they drop it in the well for them to grab later. And then I, I guess it's gorgeous talking about Mac and the aunt's like, oh, that's a funny nickname for a girl. And gorgeous is like, yeah, she's always eating and she's fat. So we call her Mac. Like, Jeez. Okay. Yeah. She was pretty harsh about it. And then the aunt is like, Mac, you sure look tasty being all big and round. Yeah, I was like, what the fuck? You're putting it all out there, auntie. Calm down a little bit. Right? Like, the thirst is way too real. Like, keep, <laughs> it, keep it in your dress. I think she wears a dress. I don't know. 
keep it in your whatever you're wearing. Yes. So the aunt has a painting of the cat. Understandably so, I would too. If I could afford paintings of my animals, you know I would have them. Oh, for sure. And she decides to go to bed early while the girls eat dinner, which makes sense. They're doing teenage girl stuff for a while. And then Matt goes to get the watermelon. And this is where it all starts to go downhill. Mm-hmm. And after a while, Max Max's been gone for a hot minute. And nobody really notices but Fantasy. And when they when Fantasy does notice, everyone's like, Oh, she's fine. She's probably off eating. She probably something. went to the potato field down the street. Ha <laughs> ha food. <laughs> probably. I think that is actually what they say, isn't it? Yeah. Just like you guys like lay off she is more than just constantly eating and even mm. so she's a teenage girl like when you're a teenager your appetite goes through the roof oh yeah it's just a thing that happens it's called puberty <laughs> but anyway so fantasy goes to get the melon because she's the only one that gives a fuck yeah and when she pulls the melon up Surprise! It's Max Head! <gasps> ah! But Max Head is like fantasy! And then it starts floating in the air. And then Max Head bites fantasy's ass for some reason. Because food and hunger, ha ha. I guess. I don't know. I thought that it was like a stupid term for, or on like eating ass. Yeah. In any case, it made one of my favorite screenshots of the movie. I was just like, this is absurd. <laughs> yes. If you send me that screenshot, by the way, I will put it on the uh, Facebook post with the link to this episode so that everyone Yes. Because can... everybody needs to see it. <laughs> Yeah, like, it's one thing to describe it. It's another thing to experience, like, the editing style and, like, the random zoom-ins on faces and just how trippy it gets. Because it gets real trippy. The further in you go, the more it's just like, what is happening anymore? (laughs) I know. So, anyway. So, after... Max head bites Fantasy's ass and Fantasy runs inside terrified. Max head just fucking throws up blood or or something. Blood water. Just cause. Yeah. And then just goes back into the well. (laughs) But she goes inside to like describe everything and they're like oh Fantasy you're always daydreaming. Blah 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 blah. Yeah, like, I don't know. Some of these friendships are unhealthy. Like, they never believe fantasy for anything she says. I know. Which, I mean, I guess to be fair, like, that does seem pretty unrealistic. But at the same time, if my friend was freaking out like that about something, and even if I didn't believe them, I would at least try to be more comforting than that. Yeah, be like, sorry you're having a moment right now. Yeah, like, do you need anything? Some snacks? A condom? (laughs) I'm a cool parent. 
not like a regular parent. I'm a cool parent. Oh my gosh. But yeah, and instead they're just like, okay, fantasy, we'll go check the well. Wink, wink. Nothing's there. Ha ha. So they they eventually do get the melon out, and all of a sudden, Auntie can walk. Yeah, I did not notice that the first time we watched, but now I was just like, oh, shit. I know. And she does explain it like, oh, you having you girls around gave me strength. Like, oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Not creepy at all. Not in the slightest. <sighs> so they're all, uh, they go to the well, they pull the melon out, there's no head there anymore. And they're all eating the melon inside moments later, and Auntie looks at Fantasy, and an eyeball is popping out of her mouth, and kind of looking around. And Fantasy's like, A, this is terrifying, B, great, one more thing they won't believe me about. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, oh no, do I even tell them about right. this? And I, I don't think she does. Yeah, I think they just, like, look at her face and they're like, oh, you're getting freaked out about something again. Calm down. Calm your tits, fantasy. <laughs> so, yeah, no one else seems to think it's weird that Mac is gone. Yeah, she'll she'll find her way back eventually. From the potato field or whatever. <laughs> and that's when Sweet starts to clean the house and everyone is finally starting to worry about Mac a little bit. Mm-hmm. And Gorgeous goes to take a bath because she do- she's the only one that doesn't seem to care. Yeah. And the cat runs up to Sweet and Sweet kind of stops cleaning and finds a secret room. Oh, boy. And she starts looking for bedding for everybody. But instead of bedding, she finds a creepy-ass doll. That speaks to her. Yeah. <laughs> It starts saying her name, and then her eyes glow. The doll, not sweet. Like, I would run the fuck out of the room. If something said my name, I'd be like, nope, I would not walk closer to see what it wanted to tell me. Not at all. (sighs) Not in the slightest. So while that's going on, Gorgeous is continuing her her bath. Um, Kung Fu's chopping up some wood with her bare hands like the badass she is. Such a great character. Mm-hmm. I love Kung Fu. And then the wood just attacks her. And she's like, I'm getting real tired of this shit. <laughs> it doesn't even really seem to phase her that any of this is weird. This is just her everyday life, I guess. Right. She's like, first the crystal, now this wood. Everything just needs to leave me alone. <laughs> like, I, I may be a tough, badass lady, but, like, I'm getting sick of this shit. Yeah. Oh, also, side note, you remember that part where, like, she karate chops open the wall and, like, a couple of mice come out? Yes! Why was that even necessary? What were they trying to accomplish? I think they were just trying to show how strong Kung Fu is. Okay, let's just destroy this house and find some mice. Right? Yet another thing that was just not explained. Mm-hmm. But it obviously wasn't relevant to the to the plot because in my half asleep uh, rewatch, I didn't even make a note of that. Yeah, I just I was like, okay, this this is understandable considering the entire movie. 
Yeah. Like, okay, this is just a thing that happens. <laughs> I don't even remember, like, where in the movie it falls. Uh, I think it was before Mac disappeared. It was like they were just getting acquainted with the house. Oh, yeah. Yeah, now that you mentioned, I think it was before they, like, went into the kitchen and explained the broken fridge. Yeah. Not long before that. But anyway, so Kung Fu is sick of all this supernatural shit. Yes. And Mac is still missing, and now Sweet's kind of missing, and we hear something break. Mm-hmm. And then we get some weird fucking shots of the ant. She kind of floats up to the rafters. Oh, oh my gosh, the fucking dance sequence. Yeah. She Ooh. just kind of starts dancing, and then... Oh yeah, at one point, back backtracking a little bit, at one point they find a skeleton. Because her uh, father used to be a doctor and take patients there. That's the way mm-hmm. she explained it. Yeah, something like that. Or actually, I think it was the aunt's fiancé. Some relative. Mm-hmm. But somebody was a doctor and took patients there, so that's why they have a weird plastic skeleton with one eye. Yeah. So, anyway, going back to where we were, the ant kind of starts dancing in the rafters, and then we see her dancing with the skeleton. Who is also dancing. Yes. And the skeleton only has, like, one move, and it's basically, like, raising the roof over and over. It's okay. I also only have one move. (laughs) Like, for those of you who are St. Louis Blues fans, it's like the power play dance. So we have our dance break. And after Auntie has her little dance break, she starts eating a hand. Because, as you do, I guess. She's eating it like it's a chicken wing. Mm-hmm. I thought what? it was cool when she picked up the goldfish and threw them into the bowl and they came alive. It's like, oh, yep. okay. <laughs> like, okay, that that is a cool editing sequence, but what purpose does it serve? <laughs> Just... Being part of the show. Yeah. And then the cat starts meowing along to the background music and starts walking across the piano. I loved that so much. I know. It, it remind, it, I think that was the predecessor to Keyboard Cat. Yes. Oh my gosh. This explains so much. Mm-hmm. This movie was the birth of a lot of things, apparently. <laughs> Keyboard Cat reimagining the seven dwarves yeah this guy knew what he was doing probably some other stuff that i've forgotten already (laughs) this movie like it so it it does so much to your brain it packs so much in Mm -hmm, and it's like only it's less than an hour and a half long yeah but it just oh man it tells a tale to be sure Mm. Yes, everything happens so much. <laughs> so after Gorgeous's bath, she goes to her room while she's like brushing her hair and she sees a picture of Auntie's fiance and finds a music box. That's that's it for that scene. I I did think it was cool that like when she was listening to the music box and she was like, Oh, I know this song. It was kind of interposed with Melody playing the piano with that same song. Yes, and it's kind of the theme that goes throughout the movie. Mm-hmm. It's like there's the main movie theme, and then like 
Kung Fu has her own theme. I don't know if you noticed. Oh, I noticed, because it only plays when she's doing cool shit. <laughs> just like, thank God, she deserves a theme. She absolutely does. 100%. <laughs> so while this is all happening, the piano starts calling to Melody. Mm-hmm. Just like the doll was calling to Sweet. And it's just like, this is normal, a piano's talking to me. Okay. Like, okay, this is fine. So Melody decides to sit down and start playing. And while we see her playing, it kind of, you know, pans a little bit to the background. And there's that creepy skeleton doing the power play. (laughs) Oh my gosh, I love him. I know. He, He serves no purpose to the plot. Other than to stand in the corner and dance. <laughs> See, that's that's one of those things where it's like, this is supposed to be a horror movie, but there's so many comedic elements to it that it's just like, if you if you just described the plot with no context to someone, like, oh yeah, these seven girls go to this aunt's house and then they one by one meet terrible fates. Like, oh shit, that sounds so scary. But then you watch it, it's like... This is just insanity. Like, I would recommend this movie even to my friends who don't like horror movies. Because it's so... There's so much to it that just, like, is hilarious. And you can't, like... It's hard to take it seriously as a horror movie. Yeah, like, I don't think it would really give anyone nightmares. I mean, maybe a little kid, but not, like, if you're an adult watching it. I don't think it would give you nightmares. Skeletons dancing... Who fucking knows why? Meanwhile, we cut back to Gorgeous in her aunt's room trying on her makeup. And then she sees a vision of the floating scarf in the mirror. <laughs> and then she sees her a new girlfriend. <laughs> right. And then we see a reflection of the aunt when she's young. And then the cat's eyes start glowing in the background, and the mirror breaks and bleeds. And Gorgeous also breaks question mark it's not i don't know how to describe how this scene happens but she kind of like cracks and breaks away like she's glass and then all that's left is a flaming silhouette of her yeah like i didn't know humans function like this but uh, okay i guess they do in haunted houses (laughs) I guess you could call this house haunted. I don't know. It seems like a pretty typical haunted house. Well, not typical, but <laughs> you know what I mean. Like, the the basic plot mm. is typical until you start watching it. Yeah. Gorgeous just turned into a ball of flames, or I yes. guess the outline of a person, but also a fire. Yes. She's Katniss Everdeen. <laughs> Keeping the joke. <laughs> yes. The joke will not die. So, she's on fire. We cut back to Melody. She's still playing the music. Skeleton's still dancing. And that's when the keys start to glow. And you're like, what more could possibly go wrong? Right? And this is the part where epilepsy. Don't watch it. Yeah, it's uh, so much. Yes. And then the cat's eyes start glowing as they do when something's about to happen as we've figured out by now. And then the cat goes to visit Sweet, who is suddenly attacked by a bunch of mattresses. 
all these childhood fears are just like coming to fruition. Mm-hmm. And there's feathers flying everywhere, and I guess feather mattresses are a thing. I don't know. Maybe? Or maybe just feathers from pillows, but also the mattresses are there. Who knows? Maybe. It is a mystery. But then all of a sudden, after this sequence, we just see Prof bandaging Melody's finger up. It felt like the piano bit me. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, jeez. Like, oh, honey. You don't even oh. know. Mm-hmm. You have no idea. And let's see. Yeah, that she's talking about how the piano it felt like it bit her. Fantasy ta- uh, takes Prof and Kung Fu to go help. Or to go help Sweet. Sorry, I guess this is where I started getting tired and my handwriting gets a little weird. Well, and to be fair, this is a part that has a lot of back and forth. It's like, mm-hmm. oh, I just heard Melody yell. Let's go check on her. Oh, but Sweet seems to have disappeared from this pile of bedding. Where is she? So it's like a whole lot of splitting off into pairs and wandering around the house. Mm -hmm. So that happens. Let's go with that. (laughs) For some reason, they find Sweet's bra and a naked doll. And panties. And have to say that they smell. And it's like, why was that a necessary detail? I don't even know. Just putting that out there. <laughs> that was it was wildly unnecessary. I guess they wanted to add sex appeal to this movie. I don't know. Yeah, you're not gonna do it from a young girl's panties. I know. <laughs> so fantasy starts to get worried because of all the shit that's happening, but I, I guess it's Kung Fu or Prof. One of them is like, "Don't worry, Mr. Togo is gonna save us." And it has to cut to a whole dream sequence of him riding up on a horse. Mm-hmm. And he's like, oh, my sweet princess up. fantasy! <sighs> so... This it, scene was completely necessary to shoot. <laughs> it absolutely was. It was definitely a thing that happened. Like I loved it for the fact that it was absurd, but I hated it for the fact that they were just like, "He's a man; he'll know what to do. He'll come and save us." Like I know, like we from a feminist standpoint, we hate it, but from a bad movie standpoint, <laughs> well, like give me more of that, please. <laughs> give me more of this completely unnecessary moment. Yes, which by the way, his whole journey to the house, like interspersed between these sections was so unnecessary honestly his whole character is really unnecessary it's like there's someone making fun of his car being small and him being stuck in traffic and him eating noodles somewhere like why did we need to see this i know we really did not need to see any of that (laughs) like i guess they were just trying to pad out the movie i don't know I guess. I don't know. The one part of Mr. Togo's journey I want to talk about, we will talk about towards the end. We're not going to spoil the whole end because we want you to watch this movie. Yes. But we will talk about the last scene we see Mr. Togo in. Oh, boy. Mm-hmm. Anyway. So, she snaps out of her little fantasy. Get it? Because her <laughs> name's fantasy. 
her little sequence where she's fantasizing about Mr. Togo, hot teacher with the sideburns. <laughs> and they go looking for Gorgeous, and they think she's playing hide-and-seek. Even though nobody initiated this game of hide-and-seek. I think there was like an offhand comment earlier in the movie where they suggested playing it. That's the only connection I can make. Like, oh, maybe she spontaneously decided to play. Yeah. Like, sure, this is a thing that's going to happen while creepy shit's happening around the house. Yeah. So they find her, and she seems pretty out of it. Understandably. Yeah, the way that whole thing was filmed was very interesting to me. It just seemed like like when someone's really lightheaded and how everything kind of slows down in your perception a little bit. I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah, I do have to admit that, like, the cinematography of this movie is not bad. Like, you can tell that they actually thought it out. Mm-hmm. The script is hilarious, but the mm-hmm. actual... <laughs> this guy doing his commercial shit? Whew. Yeah. mind Mm-hmm. So, Gorgeous is out of it. Mm-hmm. And they go to call the cops, and Gorgeous volunteers to call she picks up the old rotary phone and all she hears is screaming just a bunch of random voices just screaming out and none of this phases her because she's completely out of it so she hangs up the phone and then she volunteers to go to the police station and just kind of leave her friends there and they're all just like you're seriously going to leave us and she's like I mean yeah (laughs) someone's got to do it Mm-hmm. So she leaves, and the door locks so that they can't get out. And all of the doors and windows slam shut. And Gorgeous just takes a leisurely stroll through the foggy woods and sings a little song. And, like, juggles beams of light. Yes, I forgot about that part! <laughs> <laughs> like, why not? Like, why is this scene necessary? At some point, every weird thing that happens, you just have to be like, why Why not? Of course this is happening right now. <laughs> I mean, shit, may as well. Yeah. <laughs> We've already come this far. Mm-hmm. <sighs> this, may, this may just be a thing. Meanwhile, Mr. Togo's still on his way, but he's stuck in traffic. Mm-hmm. And Kung Fu's trying to break down the doors of the house. And for once, he- her powers are not working. I know, this is like the one time it doesn't work, like the one time that we actually need it. Yeah. And Prof is trying to explain everything logically. She's like, oh, the doors must be automatic. I mean, she lives alone and she's disabled, so she she can't really, like, lock the doors by herself. Which, yeah, I guess. I don't know if you'd have that high of tech in 1977, but okay, not? Especially in rural Japan. Yeah. Like, it'd be one thing if they were in Tokyo, but no, nah, they're in, like, the middle of nowhere. <laughs> the Midwest of Japan. Yes, they are in the Midwest of Japan. They are in, like, the Park Hills, Missouri of Japan. Oh, gosh. Anyway. So. So everyone's trying- got their methods for trying to deal with what the fuck is happening. Mm-hmm. And they find a hand in a jar. And it has Max Ribbon. Yes, it does. Which is interesting, considering that we never really noticed Mac wearing a ribbon before. 
I think they that was another like offhand comment thing like oh Mac make sure to straighten up your ribbon and she did it like right before she walked out to the well oh yeah see this is why I need to have you on more often you remember things that I know (laughs) I try yeah and no like you're still coming back for the last unicorn when we cover that right (gasps) yes oh my gosh I think that's in the nostalgiaville unit Okay, I, I can be patient. <laughs> I don't know if that's next because I need to listen. To, I need to listen to the audio syllabus again to see what unit is after a, a fine vintage. But we'll get there. And of course, you're more than welcome to come on any more episodes that you want because I'm having a lot of fun with this. I'll have to look at the syllabus again, see what's coming up. Yeah. That goes for any of you, by the way. If you see something on the syllabus that you want to talk about with me, let me know. Yeah, if you have opinions, Professor J wants to hear them. Yes, I do. <laughs> Just as, as long as you've got a headset and some time to talk to me. Yeah, but, I mean, pretty much. Only requirements. Yes. Mm-hmm. And watch the movie beforehand. Right. So it's fresh in your brain. Anyway. So, so we Max got this hand in a jar. Mm-hmm. And finally, they're starting to think... Maybe fantasy isn't so crazy. Maybe this house, something going on, is evil. Right? But instead of, you know, trying to get out of it, they're like, oh, Melody, why don't you play the piano and cheer us up? (laughs) Wrong idea. Yes. Very wrong idea. And things are going just as fantasy imagined them, as as one of them actually says. Mm-hmm. I forget who says that. It's either I think it's either Prof or Kung Fu. Because at this point, those are the only ones that are left, basically, besides fantasy and melody. Mm-hmm. And so Prof has a theory, but she's like, I don't know if I should share it. And then they hear gorgeous singing in the distance. And Melody's kind of in a trance while she's playing. Yep. And then we get the glowing keys again. The glowing keys are back. And they find Gorgeous in a bridal outfit. Which I mean, like, why not? (laughs) It's it's a thing that happens. I think Uh, it's supposed to be the aunt's bridal outfit from when she was going to be married before the war happened. Yeah, that she never got to wear. Mm Mm-hmm. So Fantasy is trying to pull Melody away from the piano, but she's basically glued to the piano. And, and then Fantasy has to witness this whole event. Mm-hmm. Yep. And then the piano just kind of eats Melody. First it eats her fingers. Which she's then- not bothered by for some reason. I know. And then it just kind of this scene goes on for a while, I feel like. The piano just kind of, like, chews her up and eats her. And at one point, you see Melody's head, like, looking at her own ass at, as she's in the piano. And she's like, oh, naughty. Yeah, like, all her parts are floating around. They really took their time with this sequence. <laughs> like, if this were any other movie, it would probably be, like, grotesque and horrifying but in this movie it's the most hilarious death I've ever seen (laughs) 
I mean, not that I find death funny in any way, but this particular death. Just the way it was done was, like, every single comic aspect was in this death. Mm-hmm. Like, her arm goes flying into that fishbowl. And knocks all the goldfish all over fantasy. Mm-hmm. And fantasy passes out, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. I mean, I guess if you were to witness it in person, it'd be actually scary. But watching yeah. the way it was filmed was just hilarious. Yes. And after all this happens, and the scene finally ends, all we see are Melody's floating fingers continuing to play the piano. Ooh. In any other movie, that would be creepy as all fuck. But this is House, where nothing is creepy other than the weirdly creepy pedophilic moments. Yeah. Nothing is creepy and anything goes. Yes. Well, one thing is creepy and anything goes. Yes. And that's when the hot teacher stops to eat ramen for some reason. Yeah, I mean, no, no rush. Gotta get your nourishment. Mm-hmm. So then the girls that are remaining start to build a barricade around the house, but it's never really explained where they build the barricade. Yeah. Like, where in the house? Prof is just like, let's build a barricade! Okay, where are you barricading and why? Yeah. And, oh, when they saw Gorgeous earlier, they found a diary kind of at her feet. Mm-hmm. And it just said lonely days on it. So Prof just takes the liberty to start studying it and trying to come up with an explanation for all this. Mm-hmm. So she start Prof starts reading from the diary, and of course it's the aunt kind of talking about her life after her fiancé dies. And he, she's like, I know he'll come back, he promised. And starts kind of going over everything until finally she's like, Oh, my niece Gorgeous wrote me. It's been so long since I've had young girls around the house. Oof. Yeah. Every time. I know that 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 gives me the uh, I can't even find a <laughs> I can't even find a word for that. The but, bad shivers. Yes, the not fun shivers. <laughs> and that is when Gorgeous's giant head just pops up out of nowhere. And For reasons she, we cannot divulge. She starts to explain everything, but that's where we're going to leave it so that y'all watch the movie and watch the ending. Mm-hmm. Except for one thing. We are going to discuss one more thing that happens after this, and it's the last scene we see Mr. Togo in. Oh, my gosh. So he makes it to the watermelon stand we mentioned earlier. Because it's and- one landmark in town. Mm-hmm. And I guess the watermelon guy is, like, trying to get him to buy a watermelon. And they all, they, they just start screaming at each other, Mr. Togo and the watermelon guy. And the watermelon guy is like, what kind of fruit do you like? Mr. Togo's like, I don't even like watermelon! Well, what do you like? I like bananas! Bananas! And then he starts, like, going ape shit in his little dune buggy, screaming about bananas. And then later on... I didn't know anyone could be that passionate about a fruit at all. I know. Let alone bananas. Like, they're good. They're just not the most flavorful fruit out there. Right. But 
And then later on, all we see in the light of day, well, it's not all we see, but towards, like, the very end, we just see Mr. Togo's dune buggy just full of bananas. With a hat sitting on top. Yep, with Mr. Togo's hat on top. (laughs) So you can guess what happened there. I don't know if he suffocated in the bananas or if he became a pile of bananas or what. I mean, I wouldn't put it past the watermelon guy to be magic in some form. Mm-hmm. Especially after his creepy moment earlier. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that's where we're gonna leave off with the plot. And with that, oh. yeah, everything happens so much. <laughs> Essentially. Mm-hmm. So that brings us into our final segment. This is one that we introduced last week with the leprechaun, uh, with the leprechaun episode. And I didn't get a whole lot into what made that movie special because I reiterated it many, many times throughout the movie that I thought that Jennifer Aniston and Warwick Davis are what made the movie special. But I feel like, <laughs> I feel like with House, there's a lot that makes this movie special. What do you think, Sarah? Oh, gosh. What I wrote down is the unique vision for the movie is what makes it special. It is just so unlike anything I have ever seen in my life. And probably ever will see again. Yes. Like, between the ridiculous script and the commercial style that it was filmed in, just... I don't know. I guess it's one of those things where so many bad movies are just like normal bad, normal campy, whatever. But this is more like completely missed the genre it was going for. It's not scary. It's just funny. Mm -hmm. And it is so entertaining and visually striking to watch. Like, that doesn't make it good. It just makes it like an experience yes like it's it's certainly not a high quality movie by any stand standpoint like <laughs> it's it's not casablanca no by any means it's not casablanca <laughs> but it's also not the room it's not troll 2 it is it is very much a standalone movie it's in its own league Yes. You can't really compare it to anything. And, like, it's so funny when you think about that the whole reason this movie exists is because someone in Japan wanted to make the next Jaws. And then they just spit out this. (laughs) I know. Like, oh, Jaws was successful. Let's make something like that. Makes a movie that's, like, literally nothing else ever. (laughs) And like, like you said, like, when you hear, like, the bare bones plot it sounds like just another horror movie like you know teenagers going to visit a relative who lives in the woods and slowly getting eaten one by one by the house yeah like that's a pretty straightforward plot when you think of it like that but then you watch it (laughs) and it's like what the ever-loving fuck is happening it's really one of those things you just need to witness for yourself. Yes, exactly. I recommend this movie to everybody that is over the age of 13 and does not have <laughs> epilepsy. Like, even as much as we went into the plot, 
just the way it was filmed is worth seeing it because of like it not having any sort of like standard cinematography mm-hmm. like it's it's got the cheesy like face in a blurry circle in the middle of the screen it's got like all these transitions and green screen moments and you're just like oh lord <laughs> mm. and even as into the plot as we got into there's still a fair amount that we left out yeah like the the big meaning the true the big moment at the end and I, I do like to talk about, like, big iconic lines in this movie, and most bad movies have one. Mm-hmm. This one doesn't. It's just all gold. Yes, exactly. Like, there's, there's no big iconic line, because you can't pick just one. It's not the, you're tearing me apart, Lisa, of the room. It's not the, fuck you, lucky charms of Leprechaun. <laughs> And it's sure as fuck not the oh my god of Troll 2. I was thinking that one. Yeah, that's that's Troll 2's big iconic line. Like, the closest I can think is the line we were quoting to each other after we watched it at the Bad Movie Club was, any old cat can open a door, but it takes a witch cat to close a door. Yes! Like... <laughs> this is what you're in for if you watch this movie quality writing oh yes (laughs) but again it's hard to tell if that's just like the subtitles or if that was actually how it was originally written in japan yeah because it's got to be close Because you never, like, it's, it's, it's hard to tell with foreign movies that don't have a dub. Because this is all entirely subtitles. So, uh, synopsis. What have we learned here? What have we learned? Let's see. The moral of this movie is... <sighs> let more commercial directors direct things. Yes. Yes. <laughs> And always get your idea from uh, your ideas from children. <laughs> Just interview your daughter and be like, "What do your friends talk about? Are, are the kids still into Fortnite? How would they feel about a Fortnite movie?" Oh my no, Jax, no! <laughs> I don't know a damn thing about Fortnite other than flossing. <laughs> Same. So, on that note. <laughs> kind of wrapping things up you you know where to find us you can find us on anchor.fm slash fail films 101 you can find us on apple Podcasts, google Podcasts, stitcher um etc you can a lot find, of platforms yeah anchor distributes to a lot of them hmm. it's pretty nice that's another reason why i use them even with the technical difficulties they have their perks yeah like being free <laughs> thanks anchor and you can also find us on facebook at fail films 101 you can find us on twitter at fail films 101 our google classroom hopefully i'll find some beautiful thing from this movie to post in the google classroom for y'all you'll go to classroom.google.com slash well not slash and you'll type in the classroom code zwi 513s and coming soon will be failfilms101.com. Still working on that. 
All right. So as always, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for supporting us. If you, if you enjoy this, tell your friends, rate us on whatever po- uh, platform that you listen to us on. Keep tuning in because I have a whole lot of fun doing this. I'm Sarah, you had fun with this, right? Oh, absolutely. I missed being on podcasts. This is good. Yes, you're welcome back anytime. Just look at the syllabus, pick some movies. Yes, let me know what you want to do. <laughs> I know that after this semester's up, after we do all the units on this one, I do want to do a shark movie unit. Ooh, okay. June, the entire month of June is going to be Pride Month movies. Ooh, okay. I'm I'm gonna be doing um, I'm gonna be doing Glenn or Glenda with my friend Jess from the Movie Morgue podcast. She's gonna be joining me for that. Hmm, okay. Which, by the way, listen to the Movie Morgue if you like good movies and not so good movies. Jess and Annie cover just about anything. <laughs> nice. But Jess is my girl. I love her. You'll probably love her too. But she lives in Thailand, so we don't really get to see a whole lot of her. Oh my gosh. Yeah. yeah. She used to live in the States, and then she moved to Thailand. <laughs> well, you know, follow your dreams. I mean, shit, I don't blame her. I would mm-hmm. leave the States, too, if I could. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. But when we get too political, let's wrap this up. <laughs> this is Sarah. I'm Professor J. Thanks again for joining us. Class dismissed. <laughs>